Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. Your on-the-go bite of the food and beverage industry. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. My name is Grant McCarran, and as ever, I'm joined by Kim Berry. She's the editor of Food and Drink Business Magazine and also the host of this podcast. Kim, how are you doing today? I'm very well, Grant, and how are you? I'm not too bad, actually. Surviving down here in Melbourne. Guess what we're talking about today? Oh, do tell. Plant-based protein. Are you surprised? Actually, no, I'm not, because that seems to be all the rage right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty much all I talk about now, Grant. That's it. (laughs) Plant-based protein. (laughs) No, today we're joined uh, by the Managing Director of Proform Foods, Matthew Dunn. Uh, Being a three-time Olympian wasn't enough, so he joined the family business. His father, Stephen Dunn, started working with the CSIRO in 2006 and was pioneering technology for uh, the production of plant-based proteins of scale. And uh, since that time, it has been a commercial supplier of plant-based protein to some of Australia's most well-known brands in the market. And more recently, it's spent more than $8 million on R&D and in November last year opened its $11 million manufacturing facility. And at the same time as that, it launched its own and its first retail brand called Meat, spelt M-E-E-T. It's very clever. Uh, And uh, last year, when we were all in the grip of COVID, the company actually grew from five employees to 25, had a visit from the Federal Minister of Industry, Science and Innovation, Karen Andrews, and launched meat into the market. Most recently, uh, it's been announced that the brand is now heading into Coles nationwide. So it's, uh, Matt said to me last year at the plant opening that the plan was to triple its growth this year. And uh, with that news that Coles is now underway, it seems like uh, he's going to stay true to his word. Welcome, Matt. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Kim. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's been a busy time. It has been. Yeah, it's been, been a very interesting couple of years and uh, prob- you know, probably much longer for my father, actually, uh, who's been you know, with the business since, uh, you know, since it's, well, you know, he's the founder. So, you know, he's had the the real focus on the R&D and then, um, you know, I've sort of come into the last couple of years and put the shoulder to the wheel in terms of transitioning out of the R&D into the, uh, the commercialisation and the brand and the, uh, and the, the various products. Back in 2006, plant-based protein, I can't, I mean, it wasn't even, was it an industry back then? It really, he really was on the forefront of, of the development of that space, wasn't he? Yeah, ab- absolutely. It was, um, you know, obviously now it's a, it's a common term and it's a well-known term, but back then, this next generation of plant-based meat is, you know, it's, it's getting a lot of traction in the market and there's, a, there's obviously a lot of hype and it's a, it's a very fast-growing sector. But his, his background is actually uh, mechanical engineering and um, he worked for rice growers. We're, we're all country, country folk and we grew up down in Leeton, down the Riverina, and he... Um, He's a mechanical engineer, um, progressed through that business uh, at Sun White Rice and became operations manager of Sun White Rice. And then late 80s, moved to Sydney and started a milling business and then a uh, contract manufacturing business, manufacturing breakfast cereals, things like contract manufacturing for Uncle Toby's, Kellogg, Sanitarium, uh, under his own licensed brand of Vogels. And then because oh, okay. of that... So- yeah. Okay, that's some, yeah. that's some pretty uh, that's some pretty high credentials <laughs> right there. 
Yeah, that's right. So in mid eighties, we moved to Sydney, and my father started a contract manufacturing business, um, manufacturing breakfast cereals for some very well known inter- international brands, including Kellogg's, Sanitarium, uh, Uncle Toby's, Cadbury's, and he had his own uh, licensed brand under the Vogels brand for breakfast cereals. So he grew that up over the over the course of about twenty years, and I think. That background of food manufacturing and the knowledge um, of the, the processing and the equipment required uh, was a perfect match to look to expand into other areas such as plant-based meat, which 2005 at the time was, you know, so far ahead of the market. And I think, you know, that's certainly some of, you know, some of the challenges that he's faced over the last 15 years in terms of the strategy and the business model. A couple of years after he started that work with the CSIRO, Proform Foods was born. What was he focusing on in those early days? What what was happening in that space for him? I, I can always remember him really talking about the there's there's going to be a global shortage of protein, and there's there's a trend where the demand is going to put a lot of pressure on supply. And I think he sort of really understood that. Um, as the issue that he was he was trying to solve, and I, he he always knew that it would be a thing one day, and it just it was it just wasn't it wasn't defined where that was, and the real focus was engaging a lot of the technicians that could t- continue the development and take things to a next level the next level of evolution. So they came up up, up here to Mount Karingai. Um, which is the original facility for the breakfast business, and which was he built another factory, and this one was pretty much uh, unused. Ca- came back to this one as the original, sold, sold the the specialty cereals business, and then set up a small R and D plant with a small team, uh, very much focused on the technical aspects of developing plant based meat, with a small test unit, which you would have seen in our kitchen. Uh, in our yes. development kitchen, when you came up here for the launch, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, you know, look, looks looks quite antiquated when you put it next to the uh, the other one, and um, and really, you know, honed the development of this of this technology and took things to a new level and 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 created a lot of new intellectual property and um, and got it to a point where it made sense to basically develop the the rest of the facility into a commercial scale facility. I mean, that's a, that's a whole podcast in and of itself, isn't it? To to be really at the frontier of that, a whole new sector and hold the course for more than, I mean, it was that's back in from 2005. So we're you know, 15 years ago to go, no, no, this is going to be a thing. And to not reach a five-year mark or a, you know, a, a seven, whatever mark to just sort of go, oh, right, okay, this is too hard or no, it's not going to take off. So that's... um. It's a, a that's a fascinating insight into your dad's character as much that's as right. his, exactly. his business sense. <laughs> yes, yeah. no, he certainly chased it pretty hard, uh, you know, over over the years, and um, and was you know just extremely passionate about where things are going and where the global trend in this space was, and 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 really also around you know protein demand in developing countries as well. And at the moment, it's a little bit cost prohibitive to some degree because, you know, of um, you know combination of raw materials and labour and things like that. But we we are working on really getting that down and getting it maximising that opportunity for 
to fulfil that demand. And what about you? When did you join? When did you join the fold? <laughs> when did you? When did you cross the threshold of the of the facility? About probably three years ago. I, I probably four years ago now actually. Um, I got became involved more as a strategic advisor. I guess um, I'd always been connected to the business. Having a family business, he grew the the cereal business up to about eighty employees, and. I was always involved with that to some degree, whether it's school holidays, working there, coming up and um, spending time on breaks and, you know, various other elements. And, you know, it was a real, I guess, family business. And to some degree, I was always involved in the the food business, but also the nutritional side of things. Um, you know, my, as you mentioned before, my background is sport and swimming and I a big component of um, any elite sport is the, the nutritional component. And it's something that I've studied a lot just out of personal interest and in trying to fulfill my personal objectives and, and, you know, trying to identify the, the high performance fuel ratio that's going to work best in my system. And, um, you know, and I, and I did get some good results by tweaking my diet and I, under, I did understand it, you know, quite well from a, a balanced perspective and things like that. So, I mean, we're just going to jump around a little bit here, but just following on from that nutrition aspect, meat, uh, one of the real core characteristics of the product is that you've sort of reiterated to me a number of times is that it's got a four-star health star rating and how important that four and a half (laughs) how important see obviously you didn't reiterate it enough Uh, so obviously um that's incredibly important to you and is that something that you're I mean obviously as you've just said you've got that personal passion about nutrition is it something that you're looking at in terms of really setting meat apart from other you know plant-based offerings it's definitely been an instrumental in the the brand identity of meat. It's about health meets happiness. And we really wanted to create a brand that just tasted good and was healthy. And we put a lot of effort into creating products that, and it's probably taken us a little bit longer because of that. You know, we, we've tried to avoid saturated fat. We've tried to keep the sodium content uh, as low as possible which are, you know, two major criticisms of the plant-based base to some degree. And we've really focused on keeping the the quality of the product in terms of enjoyment matched to the health benefits that it offers. Mm. How many products are in the range? We've got a very broad range, actually, because we've pretty much got the three uh, key categories. So commercial supply, so we supply uh, a lot of Australia's well-known brands. We're already in the on the shelves of Coles and Woolworths um, in, in those, through those uh, contract supply, basically in bulk. So we've probably got a variation of about eight different products, uh, depending on the application that people are looking for. So we can tailor the product to suit if that needs to be cooked for a long period in a, in a curry or it needs to uh, brown in a certain way or they want a certain size cut and a, a different texture profile different flavour, depending on the volume and what they're trying to achieve, we can do that in commercial space. So then the food service, we've got the formed products, which is burgers, meatballs, 
a bulk mint style product, then the the like almost like the true cuts of meat. So we've got the chicken style tenders, which is like a you know a piece of chicken or a strip, and then a beef uh, strip, which is something you'd find in a curry or a casserole. Um, and then we've um, just finalised. We're, we're excited to announce the crumbs crumbed range. So we've got uh, nuggets, tenders, and schnitzels, and they're they're getting exceptional reviews. So we're we're really excited to get those into the food service and retail space. And then in the retail space, in independence, we've got the burgers, meatballs, uh, strips, tenders in pouches in the frozen section at the moment, and we're looking to get into chilled. Uh, just finalising some details on on that aspect, probably October, which is exciting. So what are some of the challenges at the moment? Like, is it a flooded market, like trying to get airtime in the consumer's eye or consumer knowledge or attitude towards plant-based products? All of the above. I think from a consumer perspective, there's a preconceived idea of what plant-based meat is. And with the next generation style plant-based meat, which is what we term the style of product that we're producing is the the premium high moisture product as opposed to a standard TVP, which is sort of a low moisture product and it's a bit like a rice bubble or a sponge and add water into it to get the meat texture. I think the consumers do associate maybe like a tofu style product or a you know a lentil burger and things like that as as the norm and what we're trying to do is as a as a brand as meat as well as the category is to really raise the bar to to make it mainstream and acceptable what we don't want is people going in having a bad experience with a a substandard product and it impacts that return of that customer into the category in general yeah well that's always the risk isn't it in that new space when Every Joe sort of tries to jump in and capitalise on it and, and you have that potential of there's a, there's a company or a product like yourselves that has been 15 years in the making versus someone that's importing something. And that's right. um, yeah. the outcome of that can be, <laughs> the outcome can be quite, quite different. What's your, what's the product, what's it made of? Is it, is it pea protein based or is it soy or is it, what's its base? Yeah, we can, we can pretty much use, we can use any high protein plant protein at the moment our products are based on soy and wheat gluten a combination of those we find that we get the best structure and taste profile out of that and coming back to our brand brand identity it really is around focused around just enjoyable taste and people enjoying it and and healthy products Um, having said that we can use other proteins and we're always trialing and R&Ding new proteins we've done plenty of pea protein um, we, we've used, you know, faba bean, you know, lupin, and one of our one of our objectives over the next, you know, probably five years, we'd love to achieve it within five years, is to have 100% Australian ingredients. At, at the moment, uh, we're about 75%, and we'd really love to take that to 100% if we can. So, we're really trying to support uh, primary producers as well as the manufacturers of the protein isolates that suit this style of product um, by sampling those and, and really trying to support that industry. At the moment, the demand is not there in the space to to warrant them producing soy in Australia and things like that. But, um, you know, hopefully that, that'll turn around you know, rel- relatively soon. 
I suppose there's real opportunity there that once the demand is there and if those if those um, crops and stuff can start to be grown here, the whole um, provenance of the food is also there in terms of you have a wholly Australian plant-based protein product that will therefore not only appeal to the domestic market, but you would then have quite a strong case for export as well as, as a premium product into other markets. Is that export um, something that um, Proform's looking at? Yep. No, we've, we've already commenced some export activities. So we're just, just about to send our first shipment off to Dubai. We're supplying some food service distributors over there, as well as uh, restaurants. We've got pizza toppings that have been really well received in the market. And the, and the tenders, the formed tenders, um, and, and the burgers are a hit. So, yeah, we've got a nice product suite there. Um, we're, and we're looking at other... Uh, Southeast Asia is probably the focus at the moment. So we've got a, got interest in, in about four or five countries, um, probably about to ship it to two or three within the next month or so. Oh, okay. Uh, so what was the, what was the, the decision-making behind Dubai being the first cab off the rank? Um, I think it was just fortuitous in terms of speaking to the right people at the right time. Um, there was a group that was interested and they'd heard about us um, just uh, just through the industry. Um, they knew that we had uh, leading edge technology, we had a quality product that a lot of um, QSRs were switching from from other burgers to ours, and um, pretty much knocked on the door and presented a, uh, a few end user opportunities and um, we've just we've sort of taken it from there so uh, you know we're, we're a little bit cautious about moving into export markets we want to do it right where our focus as a company we really want to grow very sustainably um, we don't want to get too big too quickly but but also we understand that the opportunity is now we've got good technology and we want to want to try to get out certainly get our products out there uh, talk to me about the Southeast Asian market. What are you seeing in that space? Uh, Singapore has been really quite proactive and they announced at the end of last year that they'd actually given approval for uh, cell-cultured chicken in the, in the form of a nugget as to be okay for human consumption. But uh, it did say that um, it's set down a goal of 30 by 30, which is aiming for... Singapore to be 30% self-sufficient by 2030 through new food production technologies. So that space seems to be incredibly active. And what's your take on that? I think our, our feedback is that there, there is certainly a different palate and a, a different taste profile. So at, at the moment, our focus is is definitely on on matching that. From a um, expansion perspective, we think there's you know, there's obviously a, a huge popul- population base. There's a population base that's expanding out of, uh, so I should say, into the middle class that will, in turn, increase protein demand um, as the people groups become more aff- affluent. They might have had a, a traditional, uh, traditionally more carbohydrate-based diet. Um, then they want to substitute that with, um, you know, the more more protein. Um, a question for you on the the plant based alternatives and going into Middle Eastern or Asian environments and so on. How how do you go with um, things such as um, halal or kosher or those kind of worlds where you're not allowed to have that kind of meat or, or these kind of things, but now you've got a replacement which which is plant protein based or indeed that something has to be prepared in a particular way. 
yeah, it, it's all that kind of thing. Yeah, so we're halal certified, um, which is which is interesting because a lot of groups will say, oh, yeah, you're halal certified, and we sort of explain we don't, you know, produce any animals in our facility. <laughs> yeah, um, we're a plant-based we, product. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we slaughter um, our leaves very, very yeah. <laughs> ethically. That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, no soybean was hurt. Exactly. So we, we go through all our ingredients and make sure that they're halal certified. And I, I think the, the other good one is when someone has a burger and they, they actually can't believe that there's no meat in there. So that, that's, that's a really nice endorsement. And uh, But it's halal anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh, boy. So let's head back from Southeast Asia and Dubai back into the facility itself. You guys have uh, your own patient technology that is in place um, for production. I realise that you probably can't tell me anything much or not much about that, but uh, what can you tell us about it? Like how long was that patent process and when did it happen? And yeah, let's start with that. I suppose our patents are a part of our process and we've got a lot of other in-house IP that almost need to be combined to you know, generate the quality products that we, we do. And I think having such a long tail in R&D sort of from 2006, even before that in the cereal business, I think the R&D and, and technology and the, the IP side of things will always be part of the DNA of Proform Foods and and underpinning the meat brand it's something that we you know we we never rest on we're a very lean team but we're very focused on developing that and keeping ahead of the game but a, yeah a few years ago we decided to proceed with the patents and i think that was really where the market was starting to catch up with the technology and starting to understand um, where this space was going up until probably 2017 the business was quite focused on licensing the technology and looking for partners to uh, connect with that had potential immediate scale, had distribution and had uh, marketing capacity to really grow the brand, you know, in a, in a very shotgun approach. But I think fortunately we've been able to take, take that and, and, and deliver our own products into the market, which is really exciting. The, the type of equipment that you're using, are these some sort of standard pieces of equipment or has Proform developed its own pieces of machinery to use in the process? Yeah, there's, there's certainly a lot of, there is a lot of standard equipment, but there's also a lot of very bespoke equipment that um, we get from various suppliers and we might, we, you know, we've got uh, in-house design teams, so we, we will... Um, design our own solutions that can enhance our product. So it's certainly not something you could buy off the shelf and, you know, someone couldn't necessarily buy it tomorrow and, and even if they did spend the time to commission it, which would sort of take 12 months, it's about turning it on in the right way and getting the feed rates right and, and how it all, all, all flows through to, to create the product. It's a, it's a very fine line of something working and something doesn't not working. 
So, and I, I imagine that for um, particularly in the early years of the business, developing that machinery and that technology was, I mean, that was the goal. That was the focus, not necessarily, uh, not necessarily the end product or a retail brand. I think there was certainly a leap of faith taking it from the small machine to the, the big scale machine. But I think they really had the validation and enough data to be able to do that. Um, and then that that was basically you know close to the you know, the eight million dollar investment to get it to that stage, and then it was about developing the products off the back of that. So there was certainly a, a big gap to leap, and and now it's it's about getting this our, our plant and equipment and uh, our team up to up to capacity as quickly as we can can so we can explore expansion opportunities. Right. Okay. When was the decision made to sort of to decide, okay, we're going to head to market ourselves. We're developing a brand. We're we're going to develop that part of a business as well as the contract supplier. When did that When did that process sort of start, or was it always the goal? It was really we we really pivoted the business about three or four years ago, where we realised that the groundswell in this space was starting to catch up with the technology that we had, and it was about creating the products that were acceptable in the market, creating a brand that suited our style of operating, what we wanted the brand to represent and 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 move forward in that direction. And what we didn't want to do is false start it with substandard products, have a burger or mints or uh, chicken strips that really didn't perform in the market and, you know, potentially taint our image or taint our brand, I should say. So, it's something that you know we spent a lot of time. If anything, you know we um, we just wanted to get the quality products we knew we could produce out in the market in the right way, and yeah, we we really want to grow very sustainably, very organically, and and for consumers to to really enjoy our products. One thing that we are focused on is satisfying the the entire spectrum of the market. You know, we we want to appeal to the meat eater. We want to appeal to the meat reducer. The vegetarian and the vegan, and not not discriminate in between. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you know, we do time and time again get that get that feedback that we can satisfy the entire family, whichever direction they they enjoy to eat. So, what's next? What's the next step? We're working on a number of different formats. So, uh, pork is very much a focus at the moment, and pork pork products. There's a huge range of pork products. You know. Whether you're going from bacon to ham to a delicate pork cut, you know it's a very diverse sector of the market, and also one that the Asian palate is. Um, there's a lot of demand um, in, in that region, and we've got had a lot of inquiries in that space. So, you know, pork, pork is certainly a focus. I think we're always trying to develop new textures. Um, and that, that that's just ongoing. I think that again, that's just part of our DNA. And then flavor systems. One area that's developing quite quickly, particularly out of Europe, is is new flavors. So we're always trialing different ways to incorporate flavors, whether it's in our base cooking process or in some form of marination process to build up the flavor profile, really to to replicate the experience that people know that, that they enjoy in eating food. 
and the, the taste that they want. And um, coming back to the brand is uh, health meets happiness, and that's really what we're trying to achieve. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and and then on a broader scale, what about the the industry itself? What do you think are the next uh, the next big big markers for for the industry? I think for the plant based uh, meat space is is really the bigger cuts, bigger cuts of meat, and we're we're pretty close on on some of those. You know, where our, our tender strips are sort of six centimeters long, uh, we can cut them longer, but it's just getting that balance between you know, what's acceptable in the market at the moment. And so we'd love to get, you know, a whole I feel at stake. And, <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, you know, there's a lot of R&D goes into that. Um, in, in, the, in, in the market in general, there's obviously the cell-based technology, which is, you know, fast becoming um, uh, more and more focused. I think that'll probably, that seems like it'll probably take a little bit longer to, Gain that commercial scale um, to make it make it commercially viable, but I think um, you know that'll, that'll obviously be a, a huge step forward. And I think you know we we are very focused on becoming a hundred percent reliant on Australian ingredients, and I think you know that that's a box we'd really love to tick in time. I think that's a that's a very noble and sensible goal. I think. Meat has just launched with Coles nationwide, which is a very exciting development for you, I'm sure. What's to follow? Will it be rolling out into other supermarkets or is the focus now on expanding the range? Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's fantastic to be partnering with Coles. Uh, so we've got two products, um, our meatballs, M-E-E-T meatballs, and uh, chicken, <laughs> chicken tenders in the frozen section in Coles across 820 stores nationwide. And I think... That's a really exciting milestone for us to get that um, that nationwide distribution that allows us to get the brand out there and, and really you know promote the quality of the products. We've also we're also supported in the early days by a lot of the independents um, who continue to support us. And you know without them, you know we're we're very thankful for the support that they've they've given us. But certainly, yeah, getting getting our our brand out there in, into the retail markets a very exciting step for for us as a company, and uh, we've got plenty more to come uh, with a, a real focus on um, you know a whole range of uh, fresh products in, in the fresh section within supermarkets. No, it's really it's I mean it's a really exciting space, and it's a really exciting to watch an Australian company that has been beavering away in the space for more than 15 years, really coming to the fore. I normally end by asking our guest what puts a kick in their step. So uh, what puts a kick in your step, Matt? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'd have to say that the team we've built over the last three years is is really exciting. And I, I, I really love it when they see some success in the business that they've um, contributed to and just the enjoyment and the passion that comes out of them um, as being part of the journey, um, you know, does does really excite me and really enthuse me. And I think, you know, if we can maintain that culture and maintain that drive and, you know, the focus on quality and premiumness sort of bleeding through the company, which I think, you know, we've, we've done a good job so far to achieve that, 
and maintain and build on that, then um, it, it's always an enjoyable place to be around and enjoyable people to be around. You know, we've got really good quality people who, who you know, some just say, that, you know, I just love coming to work. So, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a really a great endorsement. Listen, that's more than half the battle, isn't it? Yeah. You want people who are smart and talented and, and driven, but you actually want people who you'd like to be around. Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, if you, and if you're ticking those, if you are ticking those boxes, that's a pretty great point to end on. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. It's just, yeah, I love these stories of companies doing really fantastic things and that are driven and and doing well and and working in spaces that are that are really interesting and new so thank you so much for joining us and everyone get on board the plant-based train that's right yeah <laughs> thank, thanks Kim and thanks for your your support coming up for the launch and uh and your time today it's uh, great to uh yeah connect to people who've been on the the various milestones we're ticking and uh, hopefully many more Well, thanks, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us for yet another episode of the Food and Drink Business Podcast. Once again, it's been an exciting lesson on what's happening on the forefront of plant-based foods, and I'm finding this whole topic quite fascinating and looking forward to seeing where it's going. And with that, we'll end this episode, and we'll be back in the not-too-distant future with more interesting information in the next episode. Thanks, folks. You've been listening to the Food and Drink Business Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Food and Drink Business, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Food and Drink Business, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via our website or send an email to editor at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's food and beverage industry at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.